0: Good morning, Boker Tov and Chodesh Tov, and welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today. As always, we begin with our attitude of gratitude to those who sponsor Enable the shear. The series sponsors for the year are dear friends Becky and Avi Katz and family in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, Lila Nishmas, David Ben Menachem Manash. This morning, shear is also dedicated by the Aegis and Fox families to commemorate the seventh year at site of Dr. Saul Eges, Sheol Gershon, Ben Chaim Shmuel, Vitachaya, very special man, very special families. Neshama should have an aliyah. Also Pamela, Dr. Prosper, Abitbol, our good friends in commemoration of the yurtzeit of Prosper's father, Lester Greenberg, Eliezer Ben mayor on the 12th of ER. Big thank you to the Abitbols for this and so much more. And sponsored anonymously, commemoration of the yurtzeit of Tevers Bas Aaron on the 3rd of ER. May all those Neshamas have an aliyah and thank you to our generous sponsors. We have the privilege, at least here in Chutz Laaretz, we're now on a different schedule than our brothers and sisters in Israel. For now, till we catch up, we have the privilege of learning Parshas Kedoshim, page six fifty six in the Art girl Stone Chumash. Parshas Kedoshim is chock full of mitzvos. It is a rich parsha. It has an incredible list and litany of mitzvos between us and God, and Adam and between man and man as well. And trying to make sense of the order, and the organization, and the chronology of these mitzvahs is a big exercise in its own right. But we begin with the opening words, upon which we could spend not one hour of a parsha class, we could spend the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of our lives. Moshe. And more God spoke to Moshe, the will israel speak to the entire gathering of the jewish people an unusual description we see it elsewhere adas israel not just ben israel but adas israel which rashi tells us gufe torah these instructions were given in front of everybody collectively this was a message that was important to impart not second or third hand and not individually but collectively, to communicate and to get across on a communal level. Why? Because rov Gufe, Torah, toluyimba. The principles, the values, the core of Torah is dependent on understanding this mission and this mandate. That is quite an introduction. So everybody was brought together, big town hall meeting, a community event. Why? So that Moshe could tell them, Kedoshim to you. You need to be holy." What does that mean? V'amar Marta tell them Kedoshim to you. Be holy, ki kadosh ani Why should you be holy? Because I'm, there's nothing sweeter than the sounds of children. So, there's children on the playground. I don't know if it's being picked up. Those listening online, but it's sweet sounds, sweet sounds of children. So we should be happy. So what is that message? That gufe at Torah that everything depends on. The message of Kedoshim to you. Be holy. Good. What is holy? This permeates our entire religious experience. People recite Kaddish when they love to lose a loved one. We respond to the Chazan, we say Kiddushah. We say on Friday night, Yontif, we say Kiddish. Some form of this verb, Pesach night, the Seder began, not with Kiddish but Kaddish, which some commentators point out, I know you're not in the mood for a Pesach our Torah right now, but some commentators point out that it's Kadesh, not kiddish, because it's not just something we recite, it's not just something that we say, it's not just a text or liturgy, it's not a script, it's Kadesh. Go sanctify yourself, be holy. The problem is, how do we define holiness? What does it mean, be holy, Kiddoshim to you? And why? Why should we be holy? It's not a mystery. It's not a secret. Torah tells us. Be holy. Why? God says, I'm holy. I root for the Yankees. You should root for the Yankees. That's, by the way, one of the definitions of of holiness. First place, ten in a row. Just getting your hopes up for no reason at all. But in other words, lahavdil, lahavdil, Elf alfei avdalis, of course. But is that what the Torah means? God says, this is who I root for. This is the song I like. This is the fashion I wear. So this is what I do, you should do it too. Kikadosh, is there something more fundamental? So there's something much, much deeper going on here. So we'll see a few interpretations. As I said, we could spend the rest of our time together on this. We won't, because there's so much more in the parsha to see, but we'll see a few. Some that may be familiar to you, and some that are new, and some that are new. So we'll start with Ravshkop, Ravshiman Shkop, the great Rosh Shiva the Shah Yosher, who for a short time was a Rebbe and Rabbi Tukonan. Yeshiva University. So he works off of the Medrash. The Medrash tells us, Kedoshim kamoni. You might think you should be holy like I'm holy. Talmud ki l'mala mi My holiness is greater, is more elevated, goes above and beyond your holiness. So you might think, be holy and be like God. He's holy. No, 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 no. God's holiness It's categorically different. What was the havamina? What did you think originally? And how did we correct that thought? What was the concern? And how did we repair it? So he says the following. The esot of this mitzvah of Kedusha, Rashi writes, is Prushim Tihiyu. What is holy? Holy doesn't mean anything to us. Holy is a Christian word, a Catholic word. As Jews, we don't know what the word holy means. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Holy, holy, holy. What, What does that mean? What are we trying to do and be? What is our mission and mandate to our our children? As one contemporary writer writes, we don't live for happiness, we live for holiness. Kedoshim to you. We don't live for happiness. Our lives are not driven by the ambition for happiness. It's a modern invention. Whoever said you're entitled to be happy, whoever said you could find happiness, whoever knows what happiness is, we don't live for happiness, we live for holiness. So what is holiness? So Rashi says, prushim to you be distinguished, be separate, be apart, be different, be elevated. Prushim, withdraw, doesn't only mean ascetic, it means you live with temptation and desire. Every one of us, every human being is made up of two dimensions. We live in two dimensions and we're made up of two instincts. We have an animal instinct. We have a nefesh bahami, we have an animal inside us. And that animal says, do what you want, when you want, how you want, give in to that temptation, give into to that urge, give in to that instinct, Act and live compulsively. But then we have a chilek irukar mimo'al mamish. We also have a godly soul and a godly spirit. And it says, no, be disciplined, be dignified, be in control. Separate yourself. Be apart and different and distinguished and elevated. It says Rashi, Kidusha holiness. What is holy? By being different, by being elevated. That's very interesting. The Rambam of his 14 books, is Yad Ha'azaka, the Rambam is a book called Kedusha. And what laws do you find in the Rambam's book called Kedusha? I would have thought you'd find what's in Kedusha. What's in Kedusha? Yom Kippur, Shabbos. What are the holiest days? What are the holiest activities? That's not what you find there. You know what to find there? The laws of food and the laws of intimacy. Hilchus machalos asuros. And you have the laws of relations between a husband and wife. That's in kedusha and holiness? And the answer is yes. Judaism doesn't expect or demand or want us to live an ascetic life. What Judaism wants us to do is not find holiness by escaping or transcending the physical world. Judaism wants us to experience the physical world, but differently, in a more distinguished way. Eat, just not what you want, where you want, how you want, when you want, why you want. Eat when it's kosher, Be sensitive. Is it meat? Is it dairy? Don't go near dairy, only eat meat. No. That's my law. It's not the Torah's law. But Judaism says, be conscious and conscientious of what you're eating. And how do you do that? Kedusha, Holiness. By not, like the rest of the world, just eating compulsively. Make a bracha before, make a bracha after, make sure it's kosher, and so on and so forth. Same is true when it comes to intimacy. We don't believe, and we see the other systems that do believe what a failure it is, because that's not the way the human mind and psyche were designed, that you don't become holy through a life of celibacy. We see the terrible things that result when people are told, be celibate your entire life. We believe holiness is get married. The holier you are in Judaism, you're not less married or less obligated in intimacy and the pleasure that comes from marriage. Not less. greatest Gedolah Israel, the greatest Rashi Yeshiva, the greatest Rabbanim, the holiest women, men, Tadikim, Tzidkaniyos, have lots of children and lots of love and lots of affection and lots of intimacy. Because holiness is not living transcendent or apart or, or without celibacy or vow of abstinence or asceticism. Holiness is engaging the world, but in a separate, different, distinguished way. So Rashi writes, "Kadoshim to you is Prushim to you. And the rabban also expands on that with Arayas, and so on and so forth. So if says the following, he says, how do you understand this Medrash? Why would I think that through Precious, through not eating whatever I want, and not acting like an animal in my interpersonal relationships and relations, that I'd be like God? The Torah says, whoa, whoa, whoa careful, you think you could be like God? No. Ki Ani, Kiddush Strive and aspire for holiness, but be careful. Don't think you could be as holy as God. Your holiness is different than, why would I think I could be? And what's the conclusion I can't be? What's going on? So he says the following. You might think that really we have the same brand or the same type of Kedusha. He just has more of it. And we have less of it. So if says, that's not it. This mitzvah, Kedoshim Tiyo, defines for us. It is our mission statement. It is our bumper sticker. It is our mandate. It is who we are as a people. It's what we're to communicate to our children and our progeny and those who come afterwards. Kedoshim Tiyo means be benevolent. Be a giver. Do for others. Be selfless, not selfish. You know what is unholy? Ego. Selfishness. Narcissism. When you think the world revolves around you, when you care only about your happiness and your success, when you micromanage and you force everyone around you to bend and submit to you, that's entirely unholy. And you know what holiness is? Holiness is be a giver be a doer, live for others. Not to the point of self-neglect, not to the point of self-harm, but the way you should nourish your own soul and find fulfillment is by being selfless, not, selfless, not selfish. Is overcoming the ego and the impulse, and the desire that the world needs to conform to me, but to give and to do and to care about the clown, about others, to derive pleasure and enjoyment and happiness through holiness. Which is, by the way, Shimon has this magnificent insight in his Hakdama to his Shari Yosher, but modern psychology and research is only catching up to what our Torah already knew thousands of years ago. Because it finds, in fact, you know how you're happy? You're not happy when you take. You're not happy when you invest in yourself. You're not happy when you feed your own ego. It finds that you actually become happier the more you give, the more you do, the more you care about others. Modern psychology, one of the mechanisms and methods of treating depression is not to go to the mall and buy new shoes. It's not to go on Amazon and put in a big order, but rather to treat depression by volunteering. Go volunteer. Go get outside yourself. Go give to others. It's not the only answer. There needs to be support and therapy and help and of course we're all for that. May is Mental Health Month. But one of the treatments for depression is to volunteer, to give, to do. That's kedusha. So it's not just that we don't live for happiness, we live for holiness. It's that when you live for holiness, you know what happens? You find happiness. So Yahu Kamoni says of Shimon, if you understand that that's what holiness is, that kedusha is holiness, is a life where you see others and care about others. And now you understand the whole rest of our parsha." Because Kedoshim to you is all about staka and giving and not taking revenge and loving everyone as yourself. And all the mitzvahs of Kedoshim are an extension of Kedoshim to you. All the mitzvahs in our parsha are, okay, here's how to live not an egocentric life, here's how to live an other-centric life. Here's how to live for the thou, not the I. Here's how to be a giver, not a taker. Here's how to live for holiness and thereby to find happiness. So, Yeho kamoni. Now we also understand you might have had the havamini, you might have thought that we could be altruistic and benevolent and giving and caring like God. Says God, no. You know why? Because God built into us and our psyche that we get something out of even when we give. I feel really good. We do not and we are not capable of having an absolute, altruism. A pure benevolence. Why did God create the world? Why did God create us beyond the scope of our time this morning? But why did God create us? It was the ultimate act of giving. Had we not been created, we never would have missed being here. And God didn't create us because He needs us, because God has no needs. He's infinite, omnipotent, and perfect. So why did He create us? To give us the greatest good and the greatest pleasure that exists in the world. And what is that? A relationship with Him access and contact to the divine. So that is the ultimate act of giving in which God gets nothing back. We, human beings, are built and designed to get the satisfaction, the fulfillment, the joy of giving. Even the greatest giving, which is the Chesed shal Emes, the members of the Holy Hevra Kadisha, Kadisha, Kedusha, Kedoshim. Even the members of the Holy Hevra Kadisha, a very sacred society that we don't share what we do and when we do it and to whom we did it. And the recipient of that can never repay, but still we go home and we're proud. And there's a little happiness and a little satisfaction that I'm a member of the Hevra Kadishah. I did a Chesed show Emes. There's a little kickback built in just because that's the way human beings are. So that's, if you understand what Kedusha is, then you understand what Shimon says, what the Havamina was, that we could be holy like God, but while we should be holy in the sense that we should be focused out, not in, but we can never be as purely altruistic as God is because that's not the way the human being is. Okay, that's Rav Shimon. I think we've shared that in previous years. That's Rav Shimon. I want to share some new perspectives on Kedoshim to you. And we'll start with Rav Isaac Sher, the great Rosh Hashim of Slobodka, the great Rav Isaac Sher. Off of Rashi, Kedoshim to you and the Ramban, the Ramban Barichas, the Ramban at length, unpacks that Rashi and what that means. That holiness is not celibacy and abstinence and asceticism, that's another religion. That's not our religion. That's another religion. The only true religion, our religion, understands that holiness is not rooted in escaping or avoiding or neglecting or trying to transcend. Holiness is indulge and in joy. Hashem wants us to have pleasure. That's why he created us. Mesiel Seshuram, the Ramcha, writes based on a of David You know why we're here? Lehis Aneg al Hashem. What's the root of the word Lehis Aneg? Oneg, what's oneg? It's not just a Friday night get-together with cookies and wafers. What's an oneg? Lehis pleasure. So why did God create the world and why did God create you and me? You know why? What's well, that pleasure. They didn't teach us that necessarily as children. Judaism is about sacrifice and submission and giving. And No, Judaism is about Hashem wants you to be happy. So you know how you find happiness? With Shabbos. But what do you mean all the things I can't do? Right but you know what the freedom and the liberty that comes from Shabbos? Kashos, the tyranny of choice. I recently described it in another context. Do you know what torture it is to go to the supermarket, to the salad dressing aisle? Do you know how many choices of salad dressing are in the salad dressing aisle right now? You could spend the rest of your day, the rest of your life there. And if you're a person who has FOMO, what if I bought the one, What if that one's better, how do I know? So Jesus says, kashvos, let me limit your choices enormously, and that's going to liberate you. That's not going to constrict you, it's going to liberate you. And it's going to refocus you and pivot you to what matters. So Hashem says, I want you to be happy. And I'm creating an entire system to preserve and protect and to expand your sense of of happiness. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So it says "Rav Isaac, share the following. There's another idea to Kedusha, and that is, Hashivos. Hashivus. We'll see later in Sefer Vayikra, in Perek HaVal Apostle Ches. Who is the one who's described as holy and we have to treat him or them with greater holiness? What group are we talking about? The Kohanim. The Kohanim are treated with great honor and respect. They get the first Aliyah, they lead the benching. They can wash their hands first. They, we don't ask them to do things for us. How do we treat them? With khashivus. It's chashiv. It's significant. It's meaningful. They matter. It's a weighty. There's a chashivas. Chashivas. You know, the more chashiv you are, the more apart you live. You're not casual and you're not accessible. And you're not mixed in with the, with the masses and the amcha. you You carry yourself in a chashev way. And you live socially in a chashev way. And you behave in a chashev way. So says Isaac share, you see in that context that the Kohanim as a group and as individuals are treated, the word that's used is kadosh. Why? Because another definition or translation of the word kadosh is chashev, chashevus. Significant, important, matters, distinguished, elevated. So why do we live elevated lives? Because we are elevated people. Why do we seek to elevate the act of eating? You know, the Bali Musr, the Bali Musr would never lean in when they ate. A spoonful of soup they wouldn't, you know why? You don't go to the food, food comes to you. What are you so arrogant if food comes to you? No, you're so elevated. I have to eat because I need to eat to live, but I don't live to eat. I'm not bowing down to the food. I don't go to the food. The food comes to me. They would lift the spoon to them and sit with great passion. Chashev. Chashev. Slobodka, there was a tailor on staff. A baker, a boy couldn't enter the base mentorship he was missing a button. And Slobodka produced Rabbi Taitz, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, and Rav Hutner, and Ravuderman, Ruderman, people of distinction. I discussed to know Rabbi Taitz, You were in his presence, you were in a chashev, a person. The way he carried himself, who he was, his demeanor. Not gaiva, not arrogance, but he projected an aura that this this is chashev. What we're doing, what we're learning, how we're living, what our mission and our mandate are in the world. So says Rav Isaac Sher, the great Baal Mosser, he says, that's what kadoshim to you means, chashevim to you. Be chashev, take yourself seriously. Take what you do seriously. Take your lifestyle seriously. It's not a joke. It's meaningful and it matters. And we have a mandate to make a difference. And he goes on and on and he has many examples, but I can't believe what time it is already. But he quotes on the Gemara Barachas Dach, based on the Apostol Viz Kadishtam, Viz Kadishtam, Viz Kadishtam, Viz Kadishtam, Viz Kadishtam, Mishonim, Viz Yitzim Kadishtam, Eilumayim The Gemara, they're Darshans that we wash our hands before the meal, we wash our hands after the meal, and that is how you understand the Pasuk. Viz Kadishtem, make yourself holy. Visem Kedoshim, and you'll be holy. One is talking about washing your hands before the meal. One, what are you talking about? Holiness, washing your hands. It's a hygiene. What are you talking about holiness? It's basic hygiene, not holiness. And the answer is, hygiene is holiness. When everyone else is digging in, and plowing, and shoveling it in their face, because the animal impulse, the animal instinct says, I'm hungry. The hush of a person says, let me go wash up. Let me go wash my hands. Let me make a bracha on the tilas yadaim. What does the word natilas mean? It does not mean to wash. How do you know the word natilas does not mean to wash? Because you also make another bracha that includes the word natilas. What are the bracha? On the tilas lulav. Do you wash your lulav? On the tilas lulav is not a bracha and I'm about to wash my lulav. What does it mean? I'm about to elevate my lulav. This, this lulav and Esar, Gadasim and they grow from the ground. Before sukkahs, they're worthless. And after sukkahs, they're worthless. But right now, they cost a lot of money. Because I'm elevating them from the ground in which they grow. When I wash my hands on the tilas yadayim, the brach is not to wash my hands on the tilas. These hands, they're not just to pursue human temptation, desire, I'm the tilis, I'm elevating myself, I'm choshev. bracha and Maya achronim, after the meal. a machlokas. tostvos, Melach sadomas, the rama, whether you wash Maya achronim today or not, if shechter doesn't, I follow my rebbe based on the rama, rama says we don't wash today, we don't have that salt, others still have the minag to wash maya achronim, forget the halacha. But the notion that the meal ends, and you don't just run to your next activity, you don't loosen your belt and belch and pass out on the couch. You'll do that after benching. <laughs> but first, first you go to the sink, where they bring the beautiful silver vessel to you. Mayim chashev. It's a chashev way to begin a meal, and it's a chashev way to end a meal. So it says of Isaac Sher, every time you see that word, kadosh, kedusha, is vizem kedoshem, translate as chashev. It's a chash of activity. It's a chash of demeanor. It's a chash of disposition. It's a chash of a mandate and mission. It's a chash of role in this world. And I wish I could again read to you. He has many makoros and many examples of seeing that word kedusha and being able to translate it as hush of. and that's what it really—that's what it really means. Okay, but a few more. The Chida, the khidah writes that he saw a saviad from one of the Rishonim. The Chida, Yosef David Azulai, he saw a manuscript. From one of the Rishonim, Rabbeinu Ephraim, Shamila Kedusha, Movan Mizuman. A third definition. The first definition was of Shimon Shkup. What is Kedusha? Selflessness, caring about others, invested in the Klal. Second definition of Isaac Share, Chashivos. Third definition comes from the Chida Kadosh. The Chida writes, quoting one of the Rishonim, he saw the Xaviar, that the word means Mizuman. What is Mizuman? It means ready, designated, reserved. What does that mean? What does that mean? Be holy tomorrow and eat meat? Not be holy tomorrow. What does it mean? Be prepared. Make a reservation. Be ready. Be mindful. So, according to that, what does Kadoshim to you mean? Be ready. Be ready. We have our volunteer security. You train them, and what do you say to them? Be ready. When I was in Little League, shortstop, second baseman, the outfielder, how do you train them? In Little League, in particular, you got the kids. In the middle of a game, you could see one in the outfield. Adrian shortstop in the middle, of his mind wanders to what his mother's making for supper that night. You say, no, 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 the whole you teach, you crouch down, hold your mitt open, glove, be ready, be ready, the ball might come to you, be ready, be ready. So that's Kedusha, the third definition for today. Again, there are countless understandings, interpretations, there are multiple levers and layers. They're all right. It's the beauty of Eluva Elu Devela Kim Our Torah Kedusha, our sacred Torah, it's not one right definition. Well, if that's right, then the other's wrong. No, they're different understanding explanation. If somebody, two people are standing on opposite sides of an elephant, one describes the trunk, the other describes the tail. So who's right? Both. They're looking at it from a different angle. And our Torah is, who's right? Is Kedusha hashivas? Is it mezumanim? Is it? They're looking from different angles and different perspectives and they're all right and giving us great, great insight into what it means. So, Kedoshim to you means Mizumanim. Crouch down, open your mid, be ready. There's a mitzvah that's going to come your way. There's a choice to see Hashem and feel His presence in your life. It's going to come your way. Live life with your antenna extended. Be ready, be prepared, pick up the signal. You're here for a mission and a purpose. Be ready. You don't know who's going to bagel you online at Publix. You don't know. Be ready. Be ready when you're going to discover a lost object at an airport, and make the decision you're going to take it because you're going to find the rightful one. Be ready. Kedoshim to you. Mizumanim to you. Be ready. Don't sleepwalk through life. Don't be half asleep. Keep your eyes open. Keep your antenna extended. Pick up the signal of the mitzvahs and the opportunities around you. Kedoshim to you. Mizumanim to you. Says says the Ha'el based on this rishon. Be ready. Be ready, a third definition, such a beautiful, beautiful definition. Rav Pesach Frank, fourth definition for today. He says the following. Quotes from the Imre Bina. Why did I think I could be like Hashem? Hashem, I'm holy, you're holy. We're the same holy. Hashem says, whoa, we're both holy? But, Yachokamoni, Kamoni? Kiddush HaSilamala What does that mean? Hashem's holiness, we read... Previously, last week, Hashem's holiness is different than ours. Why? We read last week, we spoke about it in last week's Pasha Perspective. Kedush Baruch, who has the ability to dwell among us even when we are impure, unworthy. Even when we're in our tuma. Even when we're contaminated and unholy and distanced, still He lives with us. So maybe I'll think, Mister Shkop understands. So maybe if kedusha means, I'm sorry, this is the way Rav uh, Zefrank, the Chief Rabbi of Jerusalem, the Hartzvi understands. Maybe if holiness means caring about others, thinking outside of yourself, being selfless, being a giver. So I have to give in the greatest way. You know how? Let me go find. The most of people. Let me go find the lowest segment of society. Let me go live among the community that is on the lowest level. And just like Hashem is tom Besok to I could also live among those with Tumah. Whoa! Hashem says, "Be careful. si kidusha My Kiddushah is immutable. It's impenetrable. It, it's it cannot be corrupted or compromised. I could do that. You?" need to surround yourself with positive reinforcements and role models. We have to be careful, the friends we choose and the environment we choose. In that way, our kedusha is different, says Rav Tzvi Frank. And the last, although there's so many more, I'll share with you the Heliga Kotzker. The Heliga Kotsker in this beautiful Sefer Emes Vamuna collection of the Kotzker's teachings and those from the Bes of Kotsk, he says the following. Kedushim to you. How are you going to tell a human being you can be holy? Holy? You know, every human being needs a bathroom. You need a bathroom. I'm going to be holy? It's humbling. Paro wanted to think he was so arrogant, he was such a god, such a deity, that he tried to present. He would go to the Nile before everyone woke up. He snuck out. But, you know, it's the great equalizer of all of humanity. You could be a multi-gazillionaire, billionaire, trillionaire, you can be on Tom Chai everybody's got to go to the bathroom. You're a human being, you're Basav Adam. We're Basav Adam. And as a human being, we have a physicality and it distracts us. And it distorts and clouds our judgment. We've seen people of great accomplishment, brilliant, charismatic, successful, and they throw it all away. Throw it all away. Why? Basav Adam, because they're human beings and the temptations of the flesh. They throw it all away. So what does the Katzger? How do you say to a simple basavadam, be holy? Be holy. How can you be holy? We're flesh and blood. We are mere mortals. We are future worm food. I'm sorry to be depressing and to be so blunt, but we're pathetic and we fall apart and we get old and we decay and we rot and things stop working and we can't control it. And we have temptation and we have desire and we struggle and we fail. And ultimately, when it's all over, even if we merit to live a ripe old age and a long life, we go in the ground where we disintegrate and disappear and maggots eat our flesh. And that's what God's saying, Kadoshim to you, be holy. Be holy. Tell the angels to be holy. Says the Kotzker, you're telling us, how can we be holy? Says the Heliga Kotzker, you know how? Mitzad ki Kaddosh Ani Hashem That's how the Pasa continues. Kedoshim to you, be holy. But have me be holy? You know how much I struggle on the internet? You know how much I struggle with my eating? You know how much I struggle with Lashonara we'll get to in the parsha. I should be holy? I'm a pathetic, lowly, nebach, reject, oisvarf, worm food. I should be holy? I could be holy? What are you talking about? Do you know what I do when no one's looking? Do you know what I do when people are looking? I should be holy? You know why? Because I'm holy, says God. Well, what does that have to do with my holiness? How does that make me holy? So the Shei Mishmuel, the Sachet Shaver, based Medrash says, bechol mi Hashem says, "Buddy, lady, you know why I'm confident you could be holy." even though you're a human being, because you're right. On the one hand, you have everything in common with an animal. You eat, you eliminate what you ate, you procreate, you live in a world of temptation, you have an animal instinct, an animal impulse, you're an animal, you're right. But that's not all you are. You know what else you are? You have a piece of me in you. You have my DNA in you, it says Hashem. You have a chela ke luko mimo mamish. It's not that you're like me or similar to me or you want to be like me. You are me. You carry my DNA, you carry my strength and my skill and my courage and my sense of discipline and my dignity. You have it in you. You have that capability and you have that capacity. Just tap into it. Discover it. Realize it. Express it. Promote it. Live it. Be confident that you have it. Ki You can be holy. I, how can I be holy? I'm an animal. I'm tempted to act like an animal. But you're also piece of me. Kedusha, see, you have kikadashani, because you have me in you. That's what the Shev Mishmuel writes elsewhere. He says, Do you know what it's like? It's midnight. It's 1 a.m. You're just finishing work. You just come home. You really have no reason to eat. You're still full. It's the dumbest time in the world to eat. But those Cape Cod potato chips are calling out to you. They're screaming your name and they're saying, you vildechaya animal, stuff your face with me. The salt, the crunch. Ah, oh, it's worth it. It's worth it. You deserve it. You had a stressful day. You worked hard today. There's some fast day coming up sometime in the future. Just just indulge, jump in, eat. You'll just have one. That's how the Yetzirah works. Just a little shtickle salt, a little crunch, just one, a good one. You'll find it with 17 folds, just a good one. Kettle, kettle cooked, you know, not the half of one. You'll find a good one. You know what I'm talking about. Fold it over 17 times, like a a crunch. You just take the one. You just take the one. And the next thing you know, you're on the bottom of a jumbo bag from Costco and you hate yourself. That's it. I'm talking about my neighbor, theoretically. I have no knowledge of such an experience. So you say, do you know what I am? I'm a pathetic lowly, I, I, I shouldn't have, I didn't want to and I swore I wouldn't and I feel gross after. I'm just, a, I'm a nothing. Hashem says, you're in everything. It's okay, you failed this time, you'll win next time. These are battles. You lost a battle, you'll win the next battle. How are you gonna win the next battle? Because in that moment that you confront that cabinet, there's a lot of strategies to how to win the battle. I'm told there's a lot of strategies, <laughs> but one of them is is there's a piece of Hashem in you. You have the strength. You have that strength in you. Not where is that strength, and how can I discover that strength, and where will I find that strength? We have that strength. Say ichi writes <laughs> the shevish from the is. How how can I transform and how can I convert myself? How can I overcome my nature? Do you know my natural pull? Do you know my nature? Somebody flies off the handle. Somebody gets filled with rage. Somebody screams at their spouse or their children. They ruin their relationships. And when they're confronted, they say, what can I do? This is my nature. You hear people all the time. I'm a Sephardim, I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm a kohin, I'm a, you know, people, I'm a redhead, whatever they want to come up with. This is my fiery nature. What can I do? This is my teva. This is my nature. What can I do? It's my nature. What can I do? You're right, it is your nature. But you know what else is your nature? You have a natural inclination to be godly because that's also part of your nature. Yes, there's the animal nature in us that we contend with, but there's also the chilek elukah mimal mamish. Kshboruch is inside us. That strength is in our DNA. We have it. We have all kinds of Ashkenazi diseases in our DNA, and if you believe you got that from your parents, then believe you got godliness from our great Avinu Shabbat our greatest parent. So says the Kotzker, and continues the Shei Mishmuel Asachot to you. And you know how and why you should be confident and believe and strong and resilient. Ki Ani says, God, because I'm holy and I'm in you. And you are me. And that's why. It's beautiful. You should read the, same, the rest of the Sheh Mishmur, but we want to get past the first Pasuk today. Let's make some time here. So have a sense of awe, of fear of your father and your mother, of your mother and your father, and observe my Shabbos. Why are these two both here in succession? Why are they here together? Why are they in the same Pasuk? Have awe, fear, yira. When it comes to our parents, we have two mitzvahs. Love your parents, have awe and fear of your parents. As parents, we don't want our children to have fear of us. It's a poor translation of yira. I don't think yira is fear. When they're young, there's yira, there's fear. I'm gonna take away your device, I'm gonna put you in time out, there's yira. But what's our ultimate hope as a parent is not that your child has fear. What do you want them to have? Awe, respect, honor. So, covet is honor, and they manifest itself in Allah, in different ways. Covet, you have to bring him a drink or newspaper or the slippers. Yerahs don't sit in a seat or contradict them in public. Manifest in different ways, but ultimately the emotions that go with it, we want love, Ava, we want love, we want our children to feel attached and connected and love us, and we want them to have a sense of awe. We want them to respect us, we want them to want to continue in our way, to feel a sense of awe, that they would never disappoint, and that they would never want to violate our trust, or our dreams for them. So what is that doing? And of course, the famous Gemara, why is the mother first when it comes to awe, the father first when it comes to respect? Because it goes against our nature, so it has to put it in the opposite order. But why is it connected with Shabbos? What does that do with Shabbos? And why does it end? Honor your father, uh, have awe of your mother and father and observe Shabbos. And again, in case you forgot, since the last Pasuk, Karih Baruch Hu keeps flexing. Do this, do this, do this. Amashem. Do the next thing, next thing, the next thing. If you hesitate, i uh, We got it. We know. You took us out of Egypt. We stood at your mountain. You split the sea. And you've reminded us every three seconds. Why does it keep reminding us? All over this parsha, Over and over and over again. The Orach HaShulchan. Vichil Michal Epstein. On Beisnon of Nevardic. Orach HaShulchan. In the Drushas Kol Kolben Levi, he writes the following. In the second set of dibros it says, Shmura Yosem HaShabbos the it says, observe Shabbos, honor Shabbos, sanctify Shabbos, just as God commanded you. Both of those are from the first Decalogue, the first time the Torah is given, it does not mention as God commanded you, but the second set, second time it's given, and it mentions as God commanded you, when it comes to two of the ten mitzvot, namely, Honoring Shabbos, observing Shabbos, and honoring parents. Why? Why? Says the Orach HaShecha for the following reason. Because you know what these two mitzvahs have in common? Are the Jewish people the only people who honor their parents? No, it's a rational mitzvah. It makes sense. In fact, we have a tradition that non Jews honor their parents even better than we do. We learn from Esav of Russia, who had a tremendous sense of honor for his father. And the Gemara tells the story of Dama ben We have examples. From whom do we learn how to honor parents, in fact, our non-Jews? Shabbos. Are we the only ones who have a day off a week? No. We may have introduced the world to it, but others also discovered on their own, or copied us, and concluded that's a good idea. Because if you overwork, you'll burn out. We need a day off a week. So says Darach HaShulchan, specifically these two mitzvos, you could be driven to do them. Why? Because rationally they make sense. So the Torah has to tell us, don't do it because it makes sense. You know why you should do it? Because God commanded you. You could honor your parents as a rational experience, or you could honor your parents as a religious experience. They're two separate things. You could take a day off a week as a rational experience. It makes sense. Don't burn out. You deserve it. A day off a week. Or you could take a a day off a week as a... Religious experience, and that's why these two go together. Says the Arachas Shulchan, because both of these you could have concluded on your own rationally. Therefore, the Torah has to tell us, don't do it because you concluded it. Do it why? Because because I am Hashem. Do it because it's a religious experience, not just a rational experience. What is the difference between the two? For another time. Keep going. Perak Yitzez Pasuk Tezvav. Yitzez Tezvav. We are turning two pages. Don't get whiplash. Page 660. On this long litany of... And that's why it ends on Yashem. That's how the Ruch Hashem explains. All of your mother and father keep Shabbos. I'm Hashem. Does he have to keep flexing and telling us? No. Why is he telling us? He's telling us, I want you to do it for this reason, not because it also makes sense to you. Great. I'm going to tell you a beautiful Dvar Torah now. You ready? Fascinating, beautiful Dvar Torah. Betzelik tishbot Perakut Pasuk Tzass Vav. Lo saasuavu b'mishpat. Don't commit perversion of justice. Lo sisa dal. Pnei dav lo sedar pnei gadol. Don't favor the poor and don't honor the great. B'tzedek tishpot amisecha. Don't leak a draft of the court's conclusion. That's unjust. Whatever you feel about its conclusion, but leaking it is unjust. B'tzedek tishpot amisecha. What does that mean? Judge your fellow righteously. Judge them righteously. It's addressed to judges, to the system, the court system. And it's addressed to all of us. Dr. what does Rashi say here on this Pasuk? What does Rashi say? He quotes from Chazal. Have they done as Which means, to whom is this addressed, not only courts and judges, but every one of us judge. The moment we wake up in the morning, we judge. We judge what kind of day it'll be. We judge how good we look in our outfit. We judge how good the other person we may live with looks in their outfit. We judge the people and what they said and what time they got to shul and how well the chaz and davend. We are judges and we are judgmental and we are judging from the moment we wake up to the moment we fall asleep. You're judging whether the shir is worth coming to right now. Everyone's judging. So the Torah tells us, judge favorably. It's interesting, it doesn't say don't judge because we can't really turn off that switch because Thinking is judging. We're making judgments. We're making judgments. Should I have this, that for lunch or that for lunch? We're making judgments about the Svara and Rashi and Tesvas and the Dvar Torah. Judgments are good. Being judgmental is bad. So if you're going to judge because we have this inclination to judge, make ourselves, condition ourselves at least to judge favorably. Okay, good. So far, so good. Good. Not just addressing the judges, we're addressing the judges in each and every one of us that when we judge, judge favorably. Good. The Gemara the gemar says the following. If you judge others favorably, hashems going to judge you favorably. You like that teaching? I'm going to Bar. Just like you judged me favorably, Hashem should judge you favorably. Nice teaching? If you judge favorably, Hashem will judge you favorably. Huh? What are you talking about? Dan What does dan mean? It means I'm missing some facts. And I could draw one, or one of two conclusions. So the Torah says, you know what? Be a nice guy. Be a nice woman. Judge the other person favorably. So you see somebody coming out of McDonald's. So judge them favorably. They needed a bathroom. They bought a Diet Coke. Don't judge them that they were eating non-kosher. Someone came late to shul. Judge them favorably. That on their way to shul, there was a chesed they needed to do to help somebody cross the street. And they weren't late because they don't care about davening. Judge them favorably. So when are we told to judge favorably? When we're missing information or facts, and we could arrive at different conclusions, Arrive at a positive one. Because that's a nice thing to do. That's what a nice person does. And that, and if you do that, Hashem is going to judge you favorably. Hashem is not missing any facts. He knows what you did at McDonald's. He knows why you're late to shul. He knows everything. He knows everything. And He knows and tests what's in our heart, what's in our kishkas, what's in our kidneys. So... When there's no suffix, when there's no doubt, when there's no missing information, you're not judging, then the information, the facts are the facts. The facts speak for themselves. You don't need judges when facts speak for themselves. So what in the world does it mean if you judge favorably, Hashem will judge you favorably? Good question. I think it's a good question. And I judge that it was worth your coming today for that question. <laughs> so the Megid Yosef of Saratskin, the Megid Yosef, such a beautiful totem, so happy he gave me his Sefer. He quotes the Mishnah from Avos. We began Avos this past Shabbos. In the first parak of Avos that we read this past Shabbos, It says the following. Whatever you hear about someone... Assume favorably, judge them favorably, until you hear that you can't anymore. Until you know, until you become aware of the facts. In such a way, they present themselves in such a way, that you simply can't judge them favorably. People are complex, and life is complex. And there's so much that goes into a person. Do we know a person's background? Do we know what they're contending with? Do we know their baggage? Do we know their predispositions? Do we know their genetics? Do we know their hangups, their mother, their father? Do we know their rebellion when they were young? There's so much in a person's background, we know so little about them. We know so little about their motivation and their intent and what drives them and what led them to become who they are. How many times in your life did you know someone and you came to a conclusion about them, you have an opinion about them, and it's only after you know them a long time did you learn the father died when they were six months old, their mother had seven jobs, they basically raised themselves, they went through this, they went through that, they went through the other thing, I'm making this up, whatever the story is, and I say, you know what? I feel so bad about the conclusions I reached about them. Had I known their life story, the narrative of their life, I, I never would have seen them the way I saw them. I never would have thought about them the way I think about them. I see them in an entirely new light. Wow, how they have persevered, how they've overcome, how they've broken through. So you know what those hangups, that that's all I ever saw about them? That's nothing compared to who they could be with the background they have. Have you had that experience? Person doesn't wear it on their sleeve, you don't know it about them, you met them later in life and only when you learn about their experiences or what they went through earlier in life, can you really begin to appreciate even just the surface of who they are, people are complicated, complex. On the we say in our Tefillah Zaka, the beautiful Tfilah before Kol Nidre, Kol Nidre night, we say, Hashem, only you know that the things that I did, I didn't do them to anger you. I went after my inclination. You know, Hashem, nobody else knows. But you know, because you know what's in my heart, my kishkas, my kidneys. You know what I struggle with. The temptation, the desire, the opportunity. You know the hang-ups I have. You know what my parents have passed on to me and I'm struggling to not pass on to the next generation. You know my neuroses and my anxieties and my worries. You know what it takes for me to earn a buck and provide for my family. You know how there's so little time in the day when I'm trying to do to get it all done. That's what we say in tfil zaka. Say, Hashem, I'm going into Yom Kippur. I'm coming to appear before you on Judgment Day. I will be in your court. So, I'm just telling you that you know me better than anyone else. So, whatever the lawyer will say on my behalf, whatever conclusion you'll come to today, you know what's inside me. And nobody else can or will. That's what we say. So, they ask about you the Zaka. Why are you saying it to Hashem? It's no chiddush for him. Hashem, by the way, I just want to remind you that you know everything about me. I can't hide anything from you. You not only know the external manifestations of how I live, you know everything that makes me tick inside. Yeah, Hashem's like, yeah, I do. I got it. I know it, so you don't have to tell me. So why are we saying that? We're advocating on our own behalf. And how is that an expression of advocacy? What we're saying to Hashem is, look, Hashem. Externally, I did it. Guilty as charged. But internally, you know what drives me. So please, don't focus on the external act. Have some compassion and flexibility because you know the internal drive. Based on that insight says the Megad now we know. Now we understand what we're appealing to from Hashem. When I see somebody act around me, I can either look and judge and conclude only based on the external act, or I could say, you know what, I'm not focused on the act. I'm sure there are things that they're going through internally that I don't even know. They're fighting battles I know nothing about. So just like where we put our focus and attention when it comes to others, then Hashem will p- focus that when it comes to us. So you're right, how can you compare When it comes to others, we don't have information, that's why we're judging favorably. When it comes to us, he knows everything. So what do you mean judging fit? Say, even though you know everything, don't focus on the external act. Have compassion and flexibility because you also know the internal struggle. You know who we are and what we've gone through and what our lives are about, and we're begging and appealing to you to be flexible and to be compassionate. Others, we quoted Rav Sifat, Frank, his son-in-law, his son-in-law, Writes Rabbanach and Menzion Sachs. Notice the Mishnah Pirkei doesn't say, Have they done as? What does it say? Have they done as? Kol ha'adam What do you mean, Kol adam? It's an extra word. Why does it say, Judge the entire person favorably? You know what the answer is? If I zoom in the lens on this moment in time, I say, Ah, eh, this Russia, Marusha, Ah. Eh. But if I zoom out the lens, Kol ha-, is Have they done as? Kol adam. I say, you know what, the total picture of that person is pretty good. So I caught them in a bad moment. And that's also true in terms of how to be a good friend, because it's the same Mishnah. The same Mishnah in you know, the says, be a good friend, and judge the whole person around you favorably. Meaning, you know what a good friend is? The good friend says, you know, I sent the text and you never wrote back. So either I can decide I'm going to fight, and I'm not doing it, and I'm not reaching out again, and I always initiate, and they didn't even get back to me. Or you can zoom out the lens and have it done as kolha adam. You say, you know what, this is a good friend. We've been through a lot together, thick and thin. We've cried and we've mourned and we've celebrated and we've danced. I'm going to be judge kol adam. I'm going to judge the whole person and the whole relationship, not just this moment in time. And when we do that, we say, Hashem, look at the big picture of my life. You caught me at a bad moment. Guilty as charged. I did the wrong thing. But if we see the totality of the other person instead of only that little act, then Hashem will see the totality of us instead of only that little act that he caught us in. Pesach, Next Pesach. Notice again how that pasuk ends with. Ani Hashem. Hashem keeps flexing. Ani Hashem. Ani Hashem. Each time he's not flexing, he doesn't need us to remember. Why is he saying it? Because there's something about that mitzvah where it's important to remember He is us, He is in us. So what is this mitzvah? Do not don't be a gossip monger. Don't share Lashon Hara. Don't spread Lashon Hara. I told you, I don't remember. When I was growing up, there was a guy in my shul who used to say, I don't repeat Lashon Hara. So listen carefully the first time. (laughs) Loselech rachil Ba'amecha. Don't be a gossip among your people. And don't stand idly by. What do these two things have to do with each other? And, uh, sorry. So, Chavetz Chaim quotes from the Shlach Kadosh. Chavetz Chaim says the following. Torah is telling us, What's the question? It should say, What's the don't speak gossip. It doesn't say, don't speak gossip. What does it say? Lo <laughs> selech. What does lo selech mean? Gossipmonger. Nobody ever heard that word before other than on the Pesach, lo selech Rachel. We have certain Biblical English words that we never use in any other context. Gossipmonger is one of them. I wouldn't recommend trying that casually with your non-Jewish friend at work. The word gossipmonger. Not a very popular word. So where does it come from? Rachel is gossip. It doesn't say don't speak gossip. It says, Lo don't transport gossip. Don't travel for gossip. Lo don't go to gossip. Don't go to So why does it say don't go to gossip? It should say, don't speak gossip. It says the Hiligah Hav quoting the Shlach Kadosh, because it's telling us that not only is speaking gossip what's probi- prohibited and what's wrong, Gam ha-alicha, even just going, aside from the content of what's spoken, is the willingness to, be, to travel, to go, to be in the circles of those who are speaking gossip. And based on this, Rechai Hashem explains, when it came to the when it came to the, miraglim, the Pasuk says, You went for 40 days, so therefore for 40 years you'll wander in the desert. A year for each day, a year for each day. So what's the question everyone asks? What do you mean a year for a day? The Chetam the sin of the spies. How long and when was the sin of the spies? How long did it last? Did it last 40 days? It lasted one day. They came back from the trip. You know, when they were in Israel, they didn't go to the underground. They, were, they weren't doing wrong things in Israel. They weren't eating uh, treif. It's when they came back and they were meant to report and they reported negatively instead of positively. They failed to be done as Kol Eretz yisrael at right, they highlighted the things that would reflect or portray in a poor light rather than see the big picture. They spoke lush and hard about Israel, about Eretz yisrael. So, how long was their mistake? One day. One day, not 40 days. So why do they have to wander for 40 years? Says the Chavetz in the Shlach it was 40 days. You know why it was 40 days? Because Los rachil. They walked all Eretz Yisrael, all organizing their gossip and ready to share the gossip and traveling to the gossip. That's all part of the experience of the gossip. So that's why it says Los not lo It's not just the formal speech which is prohibited, but it's being part of that community and it's going towards that effort and it's going towards that purpose that is a problem. Chaim Velozner, a different of Chaim, Chaim al Chaim Volashner is quoted as saying the following. Why do these two things go together? Don't be a gossip monger. Don't gossip. And don't stand by while your brother's blood is being spilled. What are the two things I have to do together? So he says the following. He says, you might think, I can't speak Lashon Someone's about to do business with another person. So, you know, I've taken my life savings and I've mortgaged my home and I'm investing with so-and-so. And you know, so-and-so is a thief. You know, so-and-so is a fraud. You know, so-and-so has embezzled countless money. But you say, it says lo I can't gossip. So the Torah tells us lo adam Don't hide behind lo when there's lo adam saw a tragedy earlier this year of a very prominent children's author who it turned out was abusive and horrifically abusive. And you know, there was a segment of the community, Baruch Hashem, it was a negligible, tiny, and very quickly silenced segment of the community. who said, it's Lashon Hara. Don't use his name. Don't talk about him. You can't speak about him. But the real Gedol Yisrael came out and said, Loselech recheh but also Losamon Adam When it's Losamon Adam when your brother's blood is going to be spilled, if you're silenced, and you're going to hide behind Lashon Hara, how many rabbis, how many community leaders, how many men and women have failed to report dangerous people, have failed to confront dangerous people, and they hid behind the excuse of it's Lashon Hara. So the Torah says, the Torah puts it in the same passage to say, true, we have a prohibition against Lashon Hara, but not at the expense of hurting another person. Lo Salman Adam reyacha, supersedes, it trumps, lo selich ba'amecha. What an important teaching of Chaim V'e what an important teaching. Don't ever use the excuse or hide behind the prohibition of Lashon Hara to protect somebody who's a danger, a threat, or has harmed or injured, particularly children, but for that matter, anyone. Next, Perak, Yotas, Pasuk, zayin. A couple more here. Give me two more minutes. Next Pasuk, we're going right now in order. Don't hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke him. And don't bear his hate. By not confronting and by not rebuking. What's going on? So Rabbein Yonah writes something in Shah Tshuva. The great Rabbein Yonah, the great Rishon, writes, With this possible assistance, don't hate your brother in your heart. Rabbein Yonah comes along and says, We are warned here, we're cautioned here to remove hatred. Now that's not what it says. It says, Don't hate your brother in your heart. To which Rabbeinu Yonah understands, condition yourself to never have hatred. Remove and eliminate hatred. So what happened? So Rebicheska Levenstein, the Mashkiah Rupanović, explains that Rabbeinu Yonah is not defining the prohibition differently. He's giving us the methodology and the strategy how to fulfill it. And what he's saying is the following. If you're a person who's capable of hatred, then you're going to find people that you hate. But if you eliminate hatred such that you never feel it, hatred is an anathema to you, hatred is intolerable to you, hatred is something you're incapable of, then you're never going to hate the other. You'll never hate the other. Last week we had Yom HaShoah, we had a very powerful Yom HaShoah program, Sam Ron, a survivor, 98 years old, he's hid by a Polish family, and then he was in the concentration camp, a slave labor camp, survived the death march, moved to Palestine, was shot at by Arabs, fought in the Israeli army and the founding of the state. His life story is just incredible. He said something, he said something that I've heard from another prominent survivor in our community. It was interesting, not coordinated. When I said, what is the message you want to leave on Yom HaShoah? What do you want to tell us and the next generations of what is the takeaway of Yom HaShoah? He said, never hate. Hate is what began it all. Confront, oppose, challenge, but never allow yourself to hate. That word, that feeling, that emotion, hate, eliminate it. Now, yes, there is this notion of holy hatred in a sense, but it doesn't mean hate there either. As an emotion, it's dictating an action, a verb, what we need to do to confront that which is inconsistent with Hashem's vision for this world. Norman Frajman, another great survivor, who was in the Warsaw Ghetto and survived Maidanach, and told us the same message. Eliminate hatred. And that's how Rabbi Cheskel Levenstein explains this Rabbi Yonah. What Rabbi Yonah is saying is, lahasir Be incapable of hate. Just be incapable of hate. Don't be capable of hating. And then, even when someone has done something which may be deserving of your hatred, you won't hate. You know why? You're incapable of hating. You may withdraw. You may want nothing to do with. You may hold accountable but you're not going to hate. And how is it you won't hate? Because you've eliminated, you simply have become incapable of hating. When we become incapable of hating, then we'll never hate. Oh, there was such a beautiful Rav Nachman, I want to tell you, on Kamocha. Such a beautiful Rav Nachman. V'yahavta There's a hundred interpretations, how do you love your neighbor as yourself? Rav Nachman says that's not what he's talking about. He says, V'yahavta L'Rei'acha L'Ra but I just gave you a little hint, but we'll have to share it next year, please God. If you have to that's what this time is all about. Bikiva students, Zephira, that's why we're all scruffy and itchy and we're all missing our music. And how do we answer? The Bikiva who watched and buried 24,000 students said, <laughs> he says, I saw so much Torah, but it was no, no I taught and I saw, and I was so proud to build yeshivas with so much Torah, but they didn't respect one another. So you know what the Kal Gadol BaTorah with all the learning is? So what does that mean? We'll have to do next time. Until next time, stay happy, healthy, stay healthy, and stay holy.